Hello, and welcome to Connecting. With Mike and Adrian. We will explore stories and personal experiences that have strengthened our connections. In hopes that they strengthen yours. Hello, and welcome to Connecting with Mike and Adrian. We are your hosts, Adrian Olson. And Mike Olson. And today's topic is hospitality. So I think it's not quite time for word of the day, but I think (laughs) that comes at the end. But but I think we should probably maybe define that term a little bit as we talk about this topic today, just just to hone it out. And, And really, as I think about hospitality, it's really being friendly and welcoming to strangers and guests, primarily in some home environment or something like that, but doesn't have to be. We'll get into that too. I think the goal is to to make people feel loved and accepted, uh, a place where people can just be themselves, no judging, no masks, just just be yourself and, and feel welcome without any fear of any retribution or or anything like that. You just come, be yourself, and and uh, you know perhaps entertained or whatever with food, beverage, all those kind of things. But I don't know. That's just kind of in a, in a nutshell, is that right? So? An overall sense of being welcomed or welcoming. Yeah toward others. And for us, the reason we chose this is because it's really something that I just grew up with, right? I want to say like a family ethos almost in my family of origin, the house that I grew up in. My parents were excellent examples and role models of hospitality. Oh, yeah. And it became just something our family did. And so I don't think that until I was an adult and we had our own family, I recognized what a huge influence this had on me. But my parents, I remember as a child, our house was always a gathering space. They had their friends over all the time. So they modeled having friendships and groups of people over. They had, uh, my mom had this card club. And so that her friends would come and they would sit at tables and visit and play cards. And I remember that it was always people were coming to our house. And then as we got older, my parents welcomed everyone into the home, like our friends, our Mm -hmm. friends' friends. And really, my friends and my brother's friends began to call our house the Kool-Aid house. It's reminiscent of the commercial with the big, uh, the big Kool Aid package. They fill up the big jug of water, and Kool Aid storms through the wall. Yeah, they make the Kool Aid, and then Kool-Aid. everybody comes. Everybody running. comes running everybody over, right? Everybody comes running toward the house, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. yeah, and you know, we talked about it in the camping episode. We had that camper for a while, and my parents always toured strangers in the camper. They wanted to come over and see. They're like, "Sure, come on over. Who are you? Where are you from?" all that stuff. And then when they sold the camper, they built a pool. They built a pool in our backyard. So then in our adolescent years, where's everyone going to gather? Of course, at the pool. pool. I mean, that was a magnet. So I kind of think my mom actually did that intentionally. I've never really asked her about Mm -hmm. that, but it'd be interesting to hear the feedback. But I, I think she intentionally did that so that she could meet and greet and get to know our independent friends from from our family so that she knew who we were hanging out with when we weren't at home and 
so that they all felt welcomed and a part of our family. People just came and went from our home all all the time. It was a revolving door. Everybody was always welcomed. For another piece of that pie is my mom is an excellent cook and an even better baker. Yeah. So she was always fixing and making and even taking a pan of bars, a thing of Rice Krispie treats. I mean, my mom was constantly in the kitchen making food for our friends, for other people's families. That was just something that she was good at and and something that she loves to do still today. My dad, I think, is the biggest influence on me as far as being welcoming and friendly and hospitable toward others. He uh, was a kind of person who was just friendly to a fault. I think if you asked- yeah, he was so kind. Yeah. If you asked people what was his number one trait, and it, I, it would have to be friendliness or a great hugger or those kinds of things. I remember as a kid, I would go with my dad to the grocery store or hardware store, and we would pass people and people would come up to him and then visit. And they would sometimes have like even like a 20-minute conversation. You know, as a kid, you're just like, hey, let's get going. What's the next thing? Why are we still visiting with this person? And my dad was always the last person to end a conversation. He would stay as long as someone else wanted to visit with him. He loved that. He thrived on that. And when we would walk away, we'd say, well, who was that, Dad? And he sometimes he would say, I have no idea. (laughs) Or I can't place them. Like maybe they're parents of your brother's basketball team. You know, maybe I know them from there. Maybe I know them from the neighborhood. Like sometimes his short-term memory or or the connection to where he knew those people mm-hmm. didn't hit right in the moment, but it didn't matter to him. Yeah. He, he would stand there and visit and talk up a storm. They'd say other people's names and have this whole reference point. And I'd think, how can you not know who that person <laughs> was? But it just didn't matter. He was just friendly to a fault and welcoming. My mom still is with us and she she still is very welcoming. She'll bring cookies and bars to friends and coffees and gatherings and just has that just love, acceptance, and you belong. You have been to my parents' house and oh, growing yeah. up, so M- many times, and and it was the gathering place. I mean, with the church group and friends and all of that. I mean, you know, being in Minnesota, there's not that many pools. Number one, so that was very unique. But your your family was so unique. Your parents were so unique, and that. They were just so incredibly welcome. They always had a stocked refrigerator in the basement, so you could always find your favorite pop. The second refrigerator. So even if it was pop they didn't drink, I mean, your dad always had the Pepsi, and I was always Coke back then. So, you know, but he had Coke always there ready for me or whatever, and uh, he always had the barbecue going. There was just always something going on, and your parents just always welcomed anybody who came in, in whatever place they were at, mentally, whatever, it didn't matter. They were just like an extension part of that family, and it was so nice to be there. It was like, who didn't want to be at your house? I mean, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it really was a great experience, a great way to grow up. And I think it translated to me then, and my parents even, I had some college roommates that lived out of state, and they're like, 
oh, bring bring that person home for the whole week, you know, for the break because mm-hmm. right. they can't go home to their own family, right? And sure. So they just came along. They We took people on family vacations with us even. <laughs> and I mean, I just, it never was not a part of my life, this extending of hospitality. So with the modeling that we saw at your family house, where, where you grow up and, and everybody wanted to be there, you know, as we, you know, eventually got married, then had kids, we're like, well, what does that look like for us? We, we made that conscious, intentional choice then that we wanted to be the Kool-Aid house because, boy, number one, it was sure fun. Number two, it was great to have all the people around. You know, e- even though I'm an introvert, I still need some people around in my group, right? Right. <laughs> so, so, you know, a known group, that, that, that was that was a great place to make it happen. And we were very intentional about having that happen. And I think it started early on uh, with, with you. You were doing uh, ECFE uh, groups, early childhood family education. Right. We had play, we had play groups. groups at our house. Yeah. I'd almost forgotten about that. Yeah, back, back at the old house. Oh, yeah, the yeah. kids were Preschool. Well, we moved here to this house that we've been in 21 years now yep, yep. when Caleb was going into kindergarten. So right. then Autumn would have been a preschooler and Tanner was just newly born. And we'd have play groups. We'd have the kids and the mostly stay-at-home moms mm-hmm. join yep. them. And everybody would kind of bring their own kids snack and we'd play and we have a big swing set in the backyard and some grass to run in. And so when the weather was nice, we'd be outside. And in the wintertime, it was great to gather Yeah, and, and, in, inside the home and let the kids have interaction and play. And and I think that was really the beginning of it. And, and then yes, we, it was. And we got to know then the neighbors, right? It was a great way to get to know our neighbors. Yeah. Neighbors would come by. We'd have the, of course, we had the biggest play set in the whole area. There was no park immediately nearby. So our, our backyard became the park. Yeah. The neighborhood kids the actually neighborhood call kids. it the park. Can we, can we come and play at your park? Certainly. <laughs> yeah. If we're home, you certainly may come and play at our park. Absolutely. And so the neighborhood was, was really young then. A lot of new kids at that point, young kids. And so... It just kind of worked out well, but we we worked on that, uh, our house being that Kool-Aid house, getting people that together. And then as the kids got older, of course, we encouraged them to have their friends come by and mm-hmm. come our, on over. Our kids were also involved in scouts, uh, Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts. We had a lot of meetings here, right, yeah. which when the kids first started out in those experience involved their parents right, as well. So parents and the scout would come and we'd have someone lead some sort of activity, but the whole entire group of people would come. Right. And then we have the Pinewood Derby Workshop and we'd have like a hundred people over at the house. Making those cars. Making those cars. And so, yeah, a lot of getting people over and to just hang out and do do something, whatever it was, um, or just to hang out. But Right. Yeah. I think that intentionally then we wanted to make sure our place was a place of welcome, a safe space for people to want to come and interact with us. Yeah, because whoever you are, come and be be yourself and, you know, you're, you're welcome and you're loved, right? That's the message that I, I know if I go to somebody else's house, that's what I want to feel. I, I don't want to feel, you know, like I, I need to go find a wall and kind of hide out in the corner um, to be welcomed and to be talked to and to be engaged and to be part of what's happening there uh, is, is so much nicer right but but that can be hard I, I know you know as, as an introvert 
you know, you go to a large group of people in some facility and then, yeah, I definitely want to go find the wall somewhere. <laughs> and it's uh, not as welcoming. It's not, Straight it's not off, as it's, welcoming. It's the environment and the feeling. Right. And, and that... And that takes work. It doesn't just happen. And it's incredibly hard to do in a large space. But Right. A conscious effort to be intentional about the welcoming, whatever that looks like. Whatever that is. Right. And to do that in, in a home environment does require effort. It requires being engaged in the process. So so when our kids would, would have their friends over, um, we would be very much there and involved. Not always in their space, obviously, but always looking for ways to interact with their friends to get to know them, ask them questions, you know, Hey, what's your favorite sport? What are you looking forward to doing uh, this summer? Uh, You know, all those basic questions to get them to talk and to help them to get to know us so that they can go, Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and say, Hey, somebody cares about me. Somebody's paying attention to me, right? It's easy for adults to maybe have kids disappear and become invisible. And we wanted to do the exact opposite. No, you're very visible here. We want to know uh, what's going on in your life. How are you? Blah, blah, blah. And that seemed to make them want to return to our house again and again. Have that little, maybe that short interaction with us. And then, I mean, I joke about just throwing a pizza down the basement stairs and the kids are just down there doing (laughs) all their kids stuff. You know, Uh, part of that is true, you know, especially when the boys were... (laughs) That adolescent age, that's really all they wanted from us. But right, pizza over, and cases of Mountain Dew. Right. Over time, we built relationships with our kids, friends, as well as our children having that relationship with them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and so that brings those connections then closer, right? Um, and not only to the friends, but to our own children, to see their parents involved and engaged with others. They learn then from us that modeling, that behavior, and then they become part of it and it becomes an exchange. And so the whole group then has this feeling of, hey, this is okay. This is acceptance. I can be myself. I can laugh. I can do cry. I can whatever I need to be for the moment. It's okay here. It's safe. It's a safe place to be. And then we would have, I mean, when by the time the kids were in high school, junior high and doing sports and joined groups, we would have, I mean, the swim team, we'd have the pasta feeds before the swim meets where we'd feed 50, 60 boys at a time spaghetti. Right. And, and just have that whole team. And sometimes those kids, that was the only time they were at our house. Other kids were return. Sure, sure. You know, so. As the friend groups are, right. Right, right. And then uh, choirs, I think, are too middle and our youngest did choir and band and we had choir groups after they went caroling at the senior center near us they came over and we did holiday cookie decorating and just let them hang out as a group but yet we were there and interacting with them and providing some activity and structure to their social time outside of school yeah, and it was a great way for them to keep their connections going in a different environment, um, you know, away from the school, away from the peer pressure stuff that you get in school and to come here. And it, it was really exciting to me. You talked about the Christmas decorating. How many of those youth were so excited to decorate sugar cookies with the frosting? Oh, I was I think, like, holy cow. Yeah. The, the artisticness, whatever people wanted to do, it was just like they were plugged into this simple activity. Sometimes 
they would say, oh, I haven't done this since I was a little kid. Or So I encourage families to revisit some of the activities you haven't done in a while. Yeah, because, because they're still those, fun. Oh, man. Some of those kids, not everybody, you know, some decorated one cookie and ate it and moved on to the next you know, thing, right, but right. some sat there for hours and hours with little toothpicks and toppings and really artistically, creatively going to town in like their Zen space. It was amazing. And then our family loves to play games. And so a big thing when our boys had friend groups is to come over to have games, whether it was uh, video games, board games, Lamb parties. We've oh, hosted yeah. it. We've hosted any kind of game situation. We've hosted. Yeah, I, I think so too. And, and outdoor games too. I, I think that's, that's a lot of fun nice too. Weather. Right, yeah. nice weather. We get the uh, the cube set out. Uh, do that. Uh, we made uh, a carpet ball table, uh, which most people don't have, but it's it's Some a fun. Some people might not even know what might that know is. what that is. So so look that up. Carpet and ball. Cube. And, they might and not cube. know what cube is. Yeah, yard game. They're they're great yard games. Uh, carpet ball is a little bit more involved as far as making something, but uh, we have that. Still have that, and people still play with it. And uh, you know, it's something you would find like at a camp somewhere. Um, that huge, huge connect, table. That and that huge Connect Four. Game right. with the big, big, the big um, discs, discs, yeah, like checker pieces almost, but they're yep. way bigger. They're way and bigger. yeah, yeah, we, we'd put all that stuff out in the yard and barbecue and let them play the yard games. Uh, what's the bag tossing? Oh, so yeah, so cornhole, cornhole, yep, yep. cornhole, yeah, ladder golf, all that stuff, just having all that stuff available. It's just a great way to mingle and, uh, and to have people get to know each other better because. If you do have a group of people who who may not all know each other well, that's a great way to break the ice by having these things that are not intrusive uh, and to just, hey, let's play a game. And also just lots of optional Mm -hmm. activities because someone might not want to play cornhole, but maybe they'll try cube or maybe they'll sit on the swings or maybe they'll be inside helping prepare food. I mean, we just let kids plug in wherever their comfort level is, whatever they want to do. If they just want to sit and visit with a friend. That that's what happens that's if they want to yeah. they want to participate in any any of the other activities they get to choose right right and and you know this works for adults youth whoever I think just just having the ability to be ready to go at a moment's notice and have have the games there to have uh, the stocked refrigerator with a variety of beverages uh, that people might want uh, we even. Uh, one of the things you said that oh we got to do this is we got to get a pizza oven. So we got a, yeah. we got we got an electric pizza oven, uh, like you would find at a bowling alley. Yeah, and so we keep our second refrigerator, which we do have in the yeah. basement. We, we keep it stocked with frozen pizza. Yeah, so it's ready to go. Hey, just plug one in if you want. Yeah. If you're hungry, make a, make a pizza or the microwave popcorn. We got right. some, you know, other snacky stuff like that. But I think too. One thing that has helped us to be welcoming and, you know, use our love of hospitality is that we usually say, you know, the first time you're you're the guest and the second time you're here, rifle around in the cupboards, you yeah, know. Your family it, now. Go your ahead. family now, just feel free. This This space is your space when you're here with us. You know, of course, we would help anybody find what they need, but, right, right. but we're not formal in that way. I think 
Don't don't look for us to wait on you the second time. Yeah. But but we're gonna be here to help you with whatever you need, right? Yeah. yeah so yeah. so feel free. But if be you're hungry, make some food. If you want a snack, dig around in the cupboard, see if there's some crackers <laughs> in the fridge. Help yourself. You're right. welcome. And many did. Many many realize that. Yeah, no, they really can do that. That's great. And yeah, many still do. And I think also one one thing now that our kids have been in college and have more actually international friends and things they'll they'll say hey mom and dad can so and so come and sleep in the basement they have an early flight out we don't live that far right from the twin cities international airport lots of people coming and going from there and if they don't know anyone here in the city we're a good distance yep and so we've we've picked college friends up from train stations bus stations the airport Till they can get on their way to their families or back to their colleges. Right. Yeah. And it's all part of being hospitable then to have that, to to be open and and ready to go to help people. Yeah. And sometimes you're unable to help in those ways, but we've been fortunate enough to be able to say, sure, they can come and stay and we'll get them to the airport. As I think about hospitality, you know, the, the word, the definition, like, like we talked about earlier, you know, the, the, the place of residence comes to mind, right? A location that, that your hospitality occurs, you know, at your home, right? Um, it, is, it is where we spend a great deal of our lives. Right. It's usually where we meet people. Maybe you'll meet them at a restaurant, but it's not, it's not your ability to make somebody hospitable in the sense that you would at your home because you're not in charge of the kitchen right? <laughs> and everybody else point. around. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, but there's other ways that I think that you can have hospitality by being hospitable, right? Take it to the individual form then and out when you're out and about. I think we can carry this attitude, this feeling with us then. Well, and maybe back to my dad, the friendliness, extending of yourself and being vulnerable and interested and welcoming. Right. Yeah. And, and not that you, you know, that we need to do that all the time because I know I like my quiet time too, you know, run in, run out wherever I'm doing on, you know, on on a mission to a store or something, right. Um, Quiet time to be respected as well. But I think to be hospitable, I think the world just seems a little brighter to me that way. You know, lately I've been doing a lot of, of walking. Um, Adrian mentioned the heart attack a while back. Back in, in the middle of May, I had a heart attack uh, due to a blood clot, and uh, I'm doing well now. But I need to exercise. They want me to strengthen my heart. And so I'm walking about an hour every day, about three miles, and monitoring my heart and all that good stuff. And in the process of, of my walking, I'm, of course, coming across other people because other people are doing the same thing. They're out, you know, running, biking, walking, whatever, uh, taking their, their dog out for a walk. But I always like to say hello or good morning or good evening or whatever. I just, that's just kind of who I am, kind of like your dad that way. And, and, yeah. and like him also, I don't do well with names. <laughs> so, Ironically, yeah, right, similarity yeah. there. Very similar there. But, uh, but you know, even today when I was walking, I, I noticed there was like a larger amount of people out today than I normally see. And for the most part, everybody was like in this really happy, go, yay, kind of, I'm talking to you kind of mood today. Oh, nice. And, and so it was really nice. I was like, hey, good morning. And people was like, yeah, good morning. How are you? And, it was like, and I was like, whoa, it, it came back like immediately and, and, and was like equal for most people. And I was like, 
you know, I really like that. Not, not that you can't have me quiet. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not judging that. I'm just like, it just felt good. It was, it was reassuring, reaffirming and heartwarming to be able to go, yeah, you know, what a great way to start the day with a little bit of joy, a little bit of happiness with people that I don't know. Right. Some of them may be the neighbors. I saw a couple of neighbors today, but I saw a bunch of people I don't know. Some people I've not seen before on my walks and and other people that I have seen on my walks. And and uh, a couple of ladies were riding their bikes and they beat me to the good morning and they were so excited. <laughs> they were on it, <laughs> they right? They're ready to meet and greet. Right. Exactly. So I was like, wow. OK, so I think carrying it with you. Right. And can do that. stores or work, your work environment, just thinking about, I think the one way we can all work at it is to think about when we are extending hospitality toward others, right? Like actually naming it and becoming aware of when it's happening and if we're intentional about it. So it's a conscious thing. Right. And when, where are areas where we feel comfortable with where we're at in the world to extend additional hospitality toward others, toward people we meet, people we know, and people we do not know? I think one thing I like to do is to think back throughout my years and think about people or places where I have felt welcomed. Okay. That also can be a great way if you're not someone who wants to have a lot of people in your home, like we were saying our example, that's right, that's, that's us, our lens, that's, us, that's right. our family. Mm-hmm. Um, but can you think of a person or a place where you have felt that welcome, that come as you are, you know, you are unique, we accept you for who you are and what you stand for? What was happening? What were the people doing? Like, if you could think of those things to create that environment, maybe those are ways you could start. Right. Yeah. So learn from the learn from your own experiences, reflect it back in your own in your own way. Right. Rephrase it for you. Reframe it for you, and then and then take it with you. Because in the process of of doing these things and being um, hospitable, or you know, being having hospitality in your home or whatever. It really deepens those relationships, makes those connections that we have with other people stronger. I mean, we have those connections with our our kids' friends, but, uh, you know, watching them, the whole group got stronger, right? Everybody then sees these interactions. It becomes a part of it. Maybe someone in the beginning is not very comfortable with it, and then they go, oh, this is a safe place. So they're more likely to open up, right? Then you have some shared experiences together. Sometimes there's some funny things that happen. So you reflect on that the next time you're together and you sort of build on those skills. Right. I think something for me is I consider myself a very curious person. And I find that I love to, when people are in my space, to really honestly and intentionally know about them know about, hear hear about what's going on in their life, hear about what they're thinking about, and then looking at ways that I'm similar to them and ways that I'm different from them and, and still being able to say, you're you, I'm me, and we can be together in this space and not be fearful. Yeah. And so you do that by, like you said, being curious, being interested then. Asking questions. Maybe I ask too many questions sometimes, but I really want to know what's going on in their lives and 
especially like with the kids' friends when they're here. Sure. Trying to circle back with them from the last time I saw them. How was that trip? How was this semester? What is happening? It's hard to remember that. What is happening with you now? And how is your lived experience different or similar than mine? I just love that. And I think sometimes that's hard. I know as I, as I look at that as I, you know, like uh, in sales for what I do, you know, if you go to a uh, trade show or whatever and you're talking to people uh, or people that you casually know, sometimes figuring out what those questions are, though, I think can be a challenge and, and to, you know, to not be intrusive, but yet get beyond the weather a little bit. Right. Yeah. And say, hey, what, what's the latest thing uh, that you've done that you really liked or, hey, have you seen any good movies lately? Um, you know, maybe that will get you into to learn more about what they like, uh, but yeah, to be interested because I notice when people ask me questions, I'm like, wow, they're really asking me questions. They really want to know about X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. You know, Mike, what was the latest thing you made, or or you know, whatever. And and I'm like, wow, they really want to know. So then my brain's like, okay, I got to think of something now. So what what is that question? So I can reciprocate and show the love back because I'm definitely generally interested. I want to tell my story, but I want to hear your story too. Right. And so working to get that uh, out from each other to be able to share, I I think take practice. All of the things that we love to talk about involve practicing them. No one is born having all these skills. And I I personally like to think of them along a continuum. Mm -hmm. And maybe as we're thinking hospitality, I would say, oh, I'm here. But how would I move myself along that continuum to where I want to be? Right. Practice. Practice. (laughs) Practicing it. Practice. So maybe it starts by inviting one person somewhere. Maybe your home, maybe somewhere else. Maybe it starts by one act of kindness and that direction. And you are really making moves towards being conscious of when you are practicing welcoming skills. Right. And, and for me, it was, you know, just many practices over the years, but a little bit like we talked about an episode or two ago about the name tags of the, of the store clerk or whatever, to, mm-hmm. to know their name and then to to thank them and to to wish them by name. Hey, have hope you have a great day. Um, just those little things like that. I think it made it easier for me to be able to communicate and to say something, because now I had something to hang on to. Hey, I got a name. Um, I can say this simple thing. And maybe it'll brighten their day. Maybe they're like, oh, just another customer. But most people go, oh, yeah, thanks. So Because even short interactions like that build connection. And all of those connections then help us to build our relationships. So it's which came first, the chicken or the egg, <laughs> relationships or connection, right? And right. having that welcoming spirit, having a safe space for others really will encourage you to grow in your relationships and your connection to others. Now it's time for word of the day. All right. So looking for a word then that ties in with hospitality. And I think I got it. So coming from uh, the Webster's 1913 public domain edition, uh, the word of the day is benevolent. And so as we look at the definition, uh, having a disposition to do good, possessing or manifesting love to mankind. 
All right, we talked about that. Yes. Yep. And a desire to promote their prosperity and happiness. Disposed to give good objects. I find that interesting way to say it, but good objects to be kind and to be charitable. Yeah, it kind of sounds like an old-timey-wimey word, though. But I mean, I think it's not a word we hear frequently in language today. Yeah, once in a while when somebody's giving something. Benevolence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The variations of it. Yeah, but but to be is the demeanor, your disposition to be benevolent, I think, is very much tied into being hospitable, right? Because you're... You're sharing love to mankind. You get a desire to be helpful, and uh, it says give good objects. So whatever that is, helping somebody else with something, be it food or charity, whatever it is, uh, you're helping and you're being kind. So go be benevolent today. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this episode encourages you to explore ways to deepen and strengthen your relationships. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or listen to us on our website, connectingwithma.com. Remember to hit the like button and tell a friend.